This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. In case you didn't know, this year marks the 50th anniversary of hip hop. And it's always crazy to me to think about how this once niche art form has become a cultural and financial powerhouse across the world. But in that evolution from just what some kids were doing in the Bronx to a multi-billion dollar industry, are the true hip hop creators getting their due? And more abstractly, what role will AI play in hip hop in the next 50 years? This is Creative Control. I'm your host, Casey Finey. Each week, I'll be unpacking the driving forces and people shaping the creator economy and what it all means for its future. So hip-hop is celebrating a major milestone this year, right? And I felt a good person to talk to about it is Sasha Jenkins. Sasha is a filmmaker, musician, and the creative director of media company Mass Appeal. He's also the co-curator of hip-hop Conscious Unconscious, a photo exhibit at Fotografiska here in New York City that showcases the history of hip-hop. So to start, I wanted to get Sasha's perspective on the impact hip-hop has had on culture. I think hip-hop has become a universal language, literally a language that has its root language here in New York and here in the United States that's taken root across the world with many dialects that are indigenous to the places and people that exist elsewhere. So... I think, you know, rock and roll at one point had a lot of power and it was a language that was a universal language that was treasured around the world. But I don't think rock and roll had the impact that hip hop has had, at least in terms of commerce and language and dress and lifestyle. I mean, I think, again, there would be no hip hop without uh, genres like rock and roll, but hip hop is just sort of taken all the learnings from jazz and blues and rock and roll and flipped everything and has found a way to maximize the impact. Right. And so why do you think it's had the impact that it has had? Because as you mentioned, there have been other art forms that have been part of the counterculture. And But as you mentioned, like hip hop has really become this universal language. So why do you think it's had the impact that it has had as opposed to other art forms? Well, hip hop is very do it yourself and it feels very it feels like something that you can do. Like mm. you know, rapping is not something that I recommend anyone do because there's <laughs> it's an art form, but I think Agreed. there's something about rap that makes people believe at least that they can do it. And so I think the ability to sort of see yourself in something is what hip hop has always been about. We didn't see ourselves in mainstream culture, we didn't see ourselves in fashion, we didn't see ourselves in many of the popular ideas that were happening in the mainstream, or at least we weren't being recognized for our contributions. And hip hop made a way for us to be recognized for our contributions and appreciated and respected and revered. And so hip hop gives people the ability to see themselves in a light that they want to, how they want to see themselves. And I think that's a universal feeling. Right. And, you know, I feel like hip hop has proven itself to be, I mean, way more than music, right? It's like hip hop is in art and fashion and dancing. I mean, there are just so many touch points in this hip hop orbit. So how would you define what hip hop is? Hip hop for me is, it's a mindset. Again, not seeing yourself where you want to see yourself and placing yourself where you want to be. 
you look at sneakers and sneaker culture. You know, when I was growing up, you know, in the 70s and 80s and even the 90s, I mean, as kids, I mean, my mom could only afford to buy me one or two pairs of sneakers. Mm-hmm. I, I had to have a toothbrush to keep them fresh because she couldn't go out and buy me new ones. I mean, my son just, like, my 11-year-old will have these hundred and something dollar pair of sneakers that he'll just, like, rip and roar through them. I'm like, yo, my man, <laughs> here's a toothbrush. I'm not just going to keep buying you new joints. You know, right. what do you think this is, right? But that idea, the value around sneakers, the idea around sneakers being high fashion the idea around a pair of sneakers being sold for $10,000. That came from hip hop's sort of sensibility. Hip hop said, you know, we're not high fashion, but this is high fashion to us and for us. Mm. And by doing that, we created the value in sneakers that didn't exist before. Before, rich white people who wore sneakers wore them because I remember the Brady Bunch, one of the sons had a pair of suede pumas, you know, like, he wasn't thinking like, yo, these are mad, fresh suede Pumas. They were just sneakers that he wore to play sports in in the 70s, right? Right. But we were the ones who assigned the value to those products. And we took them from sport to leisure wear, to casual wear, to sport, you know, to like high fashion. And so our vision for what our world was around us, like we couldn't afford the luxury brands, right? So what could we do with what was in front of us? You look at someone like Dapper Dan, mm-hmm. the designer, um, who is several generations above hip hop. But that goes to my whole conversation around hip hop is you've got to have some markers in time. It's it's cool to have markers. Like It's cool to say hip hop is 50 years old. But really, hip hop, because it's a mindset and a state of mind, and a lot of it is based on how people of color in America adjusted to their environment and how they survived and how they stayed creative. That is jazz, that is Mm -hmm. blues, that is gospel, that is techno, because we created Mm -hmm. that too. Mm -hmm. So if you really think about it, hip hop is thousands of years old, if you ask me, it's a mindset and it's this philosophy that gives you the tools to adjust. Because in America, when you're of color, you've got to find ways to adjust, to find happiness and to find survival and to find your voice. Hip hop has given us a voice at times when we needed a voice the most. Absolutely. I agree 100 percent. And, you know, you've done a lot over your career and documenting different aspects of hip hop story. And most recently, you know, you curated the photography exhibit Hip Hop Conscious Unconscious. So what did you want this particular look into hip hop to be? Well, there was a time when hip hop was just a thing that kids did on the streets of New York City. No one was thinking about selling records or clothing mm-hmm. line or getting rich and famous. Maybe you wanted to be known in your neighborhood or maybe, you know, your name might ring bells. You're from the Bronx. If it made it all the way to Harlem, it was a big deal. But really it's for us to entertain ourselves to pass the time and to be creative. And um, that's what hip hop was before it was conscious of itself. And then when you start to have records and music videos and films and fashion and all these things, there's a time when hip hop realized it's the power of its aesthetic, realized it had created an aesthetic, realized there was value to it and said, this is who we are, this is what hip hop is. And so then hip hop went from being unconscious just existing to the state of consciousness and understanding its power. So that's mm. kind of the, the thinking. And then, of course, on another level, it's like 
hip hop, there's conscious hip hop, you know, hip hop that says some things and there's hip hop that's unconscious. It's not necessarily conscious. So it, the meaning of the show or the, the sentiment behind it has a lot of meanings, but really it's about the idea of hip hop being in its natural state and then hip hop sort of becoming commercialized or at least hip hop recognizing the power of commercialization as it is applied to hip hop. Mm, yeah. Okay. So I'm glad that you mentioned the power of commercialization because I wanted to touch on this idea of an art form like hip hop becoming mainstream and honestly exploited in a way because we've seen how when certain things go mainstream, it can get away from the people who made it what it is. And those originators are often left uncredited, unpaid and unseen. So as hip hop has become mainstream, are you seeing any equity among the people who make hip-hop what it is? I think now, more so than ever, hip-hop creators are seeing the equity that they deserve, but I don't think it's where it should be. Uh, it's better than it's ever been, which is a plus. But I think if you look at the case of Dapper Dan, I mean, sure, on one hand, Louis Vuitton, their philosophy was, well, this man was bootlegging. He didn't have the, our permission to use our mark and make these items. But understand that they were just doing luggage. Mm -hmm. He was making tracksuits and doing things that they weren't doing, doing things that they do now. Right. So it's one of these things where I think the fashion industry has finally recognized Dapper Dan. He had a collaboration with Gucci and Gap. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's the man. But how do you even measure something like that? How do you measure? the idea around what Dapper Dan brought to Louis Vuitton or any of these brands that he deemed worthy of sharing with his clientele. Like, yes, the, the clientele respected those brands. Those brands represent luxury and represent this sort of high European, you know, uh, sedity, you know, <laughs> rich sort of luscious life, right? right? That we all aspire to as Americans, right? We all aspire to that life. And of as people of color, of course, we aspire to that. But it was Dapper Dan who just did something funky with it that mm -hmm. now you look at Nike and you look at all the mainstream brands, like that attitude and that energy is what we always had. It's in our DNA. Right. It's what we bring to it. So it's like, what is the number that you put on your DNA? Hmm. That is a good question. <laughs> it's cultural expression and cultural identity. And I'll tell you this, like, I want to get paid because I have a family and I have children and I, I want success and I want to live a comfortable life. But there's no amount of money that can be equivalent to or add up to my cultural identity and my value. Mm. There's no number. I don't. There's not a number that can really do that. I mean, everyone has their price. I, I might have my price, but the number there is no number that is worthy of cultural identity and cultural expression. Mm. But I think on the flip side, some people may look at it like hip hop is getting watered down. Like the more mainstream something becomes, some people have some gripe with it feeling like it's not theirs anymore in a way. And so I'm, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on like, do you feel like in hip hop becoming this cultural force, this mainstream art form, do you feel like it's become watered down in any kind of way? Well, it goes back to what I was saying about hip hop being probably 
thousands of years old. I mean, mm. you look at rock and roll, right? Well, who created that? Who had a heavy hand in creating that? What does rock and roll mean? Like you ask the average person, do you know what the term rock and roll means? They can't tell you. But do, do you know what it means? Rock and roll. Uh, you're... Put him on the spot here. Do I actually? No pressure. No pressure. Rock and roll, and I'm not. I'm not going to Google it. I'm not going to Google it. Rock and roll. The, uh, Most people don't know, but tell just, me. Just, just imagine a black man in the South at a speakeasy speaking to his woman, saying, "Hey, baby, let's rock and roll." Oh, He's talking about lovemaking. Right. Right. So you right. have a whole genre <laughs> that that is named after a street term, a black street term for lovemaking. See, me, myself, right? I love learning new things. So thank you for that. Like, I did not realize that. Right. But so so at one point, black people were with it, right? Black right. people loved it. And then maybe when Elvis got involved, they felt like well, it's watered down. So what happens? Mm -hmm. We create something else, right? Mm. And then we create something else. And when we feel like it gets watered down, we create something else. It's always a reaction to the environment, a reflection of a reaction to the environment. So it's like... Yeah, you might think hip-hop's watered down right now. There'll be something else coming that people mm. think is brand new, which really not. But it's the spirit of, of the energy of where the young people are at that time who want to say something, and they'll find a way to say it their way. That's all it is. Hip-hop has just had the luxury of being very um, popular and seemingly getting stronger as the years go by. But I think there's also mutations. There's drill. There's what crunk, whatever you want to call it. There's all these offshoots of what hip hop is supposed to be. It's all hip hop at the end of the day, but it's new modes of expression from the younger people coming up saying, I want to be heard. This is how I'm going to say it. Mm -hmm. Sit your oh, ass no. down, old man. Or right. <laughs> no, that's actually, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. And that feeds into my, where I wanted to direct the conversation next, which is, you know, hip hop's impact on social media and vice versa. Because as you mentioned, hip hop will always be where young people are, are wanting to express themselves. And where else is that happening? Social media. So I'm curious to hear from you. I mean, in what ways have you seen social media influence hip hop? Well, I'm not really on social media myself, but I realized that, I mean, if you think about TMZ culture, and I'll call it TMZ culture, right? Like, um, if your name is like Little Doodoo Stain and you're at a mall in Hollywood, you'll make mm -hmm. TMZ. But if you're some rock dude, nobody cares mm. about some rock and roll guy who's at right. some mall, right? Everything is sort of hip hop, but it's also not just about the music, it's about appearances. Mm. It's about perception. And so the internet and social media is perfect for perception because you can put up photos of flowers every day, you can be smiling. No one knows that behind <laughs> behind your page, you're crying, right? right? No one knows that you're sad. No one really knows your true emotions. So hip hop and the, and the attitude behind hip hop is perfect for this sort of aspirational, doing good all mm. the time sort of mentality that we try to project because of course, we're of color in America and some things have happened to us, right? And so we're constantly trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're constantly trying to one up one another, unfortunately, sometimes. So this idea of like, you know, I see these kids with like in these videos, Instagram, like just like with money, like piles of money, like making phone calls with piles of money. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's just like, this is where history is super important. Like history to me is my best friend. Because if you don't know your history, right? 
they'll do the same thing to you over and over again. Mm -hmm. You look at what's happening in Florida and what they're trying to do to our history. Like, this isn't black history. This is American history. This is how exactly. they this is how they fool you, right? Yeah, they're trying to teach you all this black stuff in the schools. My my kid doesn't need to know about this black stuff. No, your kid needs to know about this American stuff. Exactly. And they want you to feel marginalized and they want you to feel un-American. And guess what happens? Hip hop comes along. And these black people and these Latinos and these people of color are making all this money. And white people start to feel uncomfortable. White people start to feel like their voice doesn't matter. So they get these tiki torches and they walk around and they say all these things about how they still matter. It's like, you know, in some ways, if I was white and I saw what was happening with popular culture and I saw that my, if my name was Little Doodoo Head, <laughs> I'd make my way onto TMZ and people would talk about me, I might feel like, okay, maybe I don't matter. I get it. Popular culture right now, black people are dominating. Mm -hmm. Slam dunking, triple dunks, right. like quadruple dunks on everybody. And that's a problem, right? But also a big part of it is perception. What are we putting out there, right? If you're walking around with a stack of money like it's a cell phone, like, I'm sorry, like you probably should be robbed. I don't want you to die. You shouldn't die. You shouldn't be pistol whipped. You should just simply hand your money over to someone and say, yo, you got it, right? You got it. No one should die for this, but you should be robbed. When I was coming up with hip hop, that's the other thing. It's like there were there were rules, right? You couldn't get robbed for your sneakers. <laughs> right, right. Right. Don't go to certain areas wearing nice sneakers. And it's the same thing with stacks of money on your ear. Like, please walk around Queensbridge Housing Project with that stack of money on your ear. Let's see what happens. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't think any 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 rapper with sense would just keep that for the gram. They will not go out in public holding stacks to their ear. They won't do it. I should I hope not, because right. as you said, I mean, like... <laughs> well, where is hip-hop? Where are we going? And it's it's not just hip-hop, it's we. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, hip-hop is not a chain, it's not a car, it's not a bag. Hip-hop is the people. Mm -hmm. You always have to look at the people to understand what's happening with hip-hop. We're going to take a quick break, and when we're back, we'll hear from Sasha on how AI, of all things, is shaping hip-hop. This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. So you say to look at the people to understand what's happening with hip hop, but what about AI? I mean, you said that you're not on social media that much, but one thing I've been seeing a lot of lately are these videos where people use AI to make it seem like one artist is covering another artist's song. And more times than not, it sounds pretty good. I mean, I heard one where they used Drake to cover Ice Spice. And then one that sounded really good to me was Rihanna covering Cuff It by Beyonce. And it's crazy because obviously these artists aren't signing off on these covers. If that's what we can even call them, I feel like we're probably going to have to think of a new word for these. So what do you think this means for artists? What does this mean for creators? Well, we're all losing control because, and I haven't brought myself to listen to it, but I heard about this Jay-Z AI 
song oh. that sounded exactly like Jay-Z. I have heard about this. You tell the young they can never become what they aspire to. Born in a cell with no one who can inspire you. Your high hope was never It was from that French group, I think they pronounce it Alt-A, that they use AI to create what, I mean, I can only assume is a very unauthorized feature with Jay-Z, or at least what sounded like him. And and for those of us who like aggressive rock music, there's a genre called death metal, and supposedly there's a... um a death metal emulator where this AI just makes death metal songs, original death metal songs all day. Mm-hmm. And they're good and people like them. Yeah. So the question becomes like, it's not just hip hop, it's everybody. Like if an AI can write a script, if an AI can do death metal, you know, I'm in a rock band myself. If an AI can come out and play rock music just as good or better than me, what are we doing? Mm. AI can listen to this interview, research all my interviews I've ever done, articles I've written, check out all my movies, and probably knock me off. This is where we are. And I think it says a lot about where we are as, as, as human, as humankind. Where are we with creativity? Where are we with identity? Mm. What does it matter? Like Sometimes it feels like you watch something online you might know that it's not real, but if you believe it, if you want it to be real, and that's where we are, like people want whatever they want to believe to be real, even if it's not. And so people will follow things that are fake, follow mm. things that are false, because this is their mindset. And so it's very meta, but I think it's just, we're online, like literally, um, not just on our computers, but in our minds. And we're... Mm tied in together in this way where now we're somehow mingling with not just ourselves and not just competing with ourselves, you're competing with AI. Hmm. And AI is just a sort of sampling of all of us. Right. So you're competing with the best of everybody else. So how do you maintain your voice in a world where that's what you're up against? And I think that, you know, maybe people aren't really thinking about it so much. Maybe I'm thinking about it more because I'm in my twilight years and I got to find ways to make money. And I don't want to be replaced by AI, but maybe the younger generation will find a way to tame the the AI and become friends. I don't know, but. <laughs> so we're celebrating 50 years of hip hop right now. And I'm curious to hear from you, what does hip hop look like 50 years into the future? I mean, given all that we've been talking about and assuming that the younger generation does in fact become friends with AI, where do you think hip hop will be in 50 years? I mean, hip-hop will go wherever you want to take it. It can either heal you or shoot you in your ass. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, the music that's happening now honestly isn't for me. Like, it shouldn't be for me because a lot of the things that they're rapping about are lessons that people of my generation have learned a long time ago. Like, if I'm in my 50s listening to some kid who's 22 talking about whatever he's talking about, mm. and I'm still getting the nutritional value from that, I've got to think twice about <laughs> where I'm at. Right. So it's not a knock on older people who like younger rap, but I just of think course that not. I like music that I can learn from and I can still learn yeah. from these young kids. But I think it's not for me. It's for folks of this generation who use it as a platform to have a voice at times when we don't have a voice. And so but sometimes that voice is reflective of what's going on in society, whether it's drill music. Right. You can't blame the genre music you blame what's happening in society so exactly it's all gonna continue based on what's happening 
in society with folks of color. Um, mm. You look at rock and roll. I mean, we were a lot of us were involved with it early on. And you talk to people of my generation from the 80s or, or 90s of color, they will tell you that rock and roll is white boy music, right? But if you know your history, that's not really the case. Mm -hmm. But it became that, right? So will we'll hip hop, I did a television show a long time ago called The White Rapper Show. Mm, Eagle Trips, a white rapper show. I remember yeah. that show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the whole idea was a conversation with white rappers around their place in hip hop, right? We mm -hmm. cast a wide range of white rappers, right? Hip hop could have gone all the way white, but it hasn't, and it didn't. You're always going to have white artists, but I, I don't. I think that the lessons we've learned from other genres and the respect that people have who are not of color for the genre. I think people understand their place for the most part in the culture. And if there are white offshoots of hip hop, there are plenty of white offshoots of hip hop that have nothing to do with mainstream hip hop, right? Even white supremacist rappers out there, believe it or not. But hip hop is just in a hundred years, it's still going to be here. But again, it, will, it won't be called hip hop. It's like rock and roll. They're all cousins, but it's just all one thing. It's just people reacting to their environments and making music that's reflective of it or making music that is opposite of the environment that they're in that's super uber aspirational that is completely removed from where they come from because they want to get away from it but even if they're making music that takes them away from where they're coming from it's still a reflection of where they're coming from mm. all right nice sasha i think that's all i had for you i really appreciate it we're actually going to explore this later in the podcast, um, just this idea of like AI and creativity. So this is a good segue into that conversation because it's coming and how that interacts with current modes of creative output. I don't know. But uh, yeah, even that aside. <laughs> don't be afraid to talk about hip hop's AI, Alan Iverson. You know what I'm um, saying? <laughs> the best handle in the game. See, that's how you that's how you redirect it in a positive yeah. way. That's what you like. Let's give let's give AI his flower, the real AI his right. flowers. <laughs> I co-sign that. I co-sign yeah. that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. That's gonna do it for this episode of Creative Control. This is a weekly podcast, if you did not know, so make sure that you're subscribed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And I always love hearing from you, so make sure you rate and comment as well, and, you know, hit me up on Twitter. I don't have a blue check mark anymore, but you can still find me. I still have Twitter. Fast Company podcasts are produced by Avery Miles, Blake Odom, and Julia Shu. Editing and sound design is by Nicholas Torres. Our executive producer is Joshua Christensen, and providing editorial oversight is Senior VP of Entertainment Scott Mebus. Mm -hmm.